Well, stand the man. Last week you were playing drums in church. This week you're uh, singing solos off the charts. Suzanne, I'd look out for my job if I were you. And my job if I were me. Um, Welcome to anyone listening online to sermons at First Presbyterian Church. We're always glad to have you uh, join us for worship. The text this morning is Mark 12, 28 through 34. One of the scribes came near and heard them disputing with one another. And seeing that he answered them well, he asked him, Which commandment is the first of all? Jesus answered, The first is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind and all your strength. The second is this, You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There's no other commandment greater than these. And then the scribe said to him, you are right, teacher, you have truly said that he is one and besides him there is no other. And to love him with all the heart, with all the understanding, with all the strength and to love one's neighbor as oneself, this is much more important than all whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. When Jesus saw that he answered wisely, he said to him, You're not far from the kingdom of God. And after that, no one dared to ask him any questions. The word of the Lord. When I was um, in the consulting ministry with clergy uh, last year, Our home office was in Atlanta, so I'd have to drive um, at least once a month from Brevard near Asheville over the mountains uh, down to 85 and and into Atlanta. And I'd made the trip several times, and uh, I was coming back late one night and um, up in the mountains, and it was, um, you know, dark, and I came on a curve and saw a sign that I know had been there, but I just had never seen it. It was a large yellow caution sign, and written across it was the word church. Now, you know, preachers are always looking for something to put in a sermon. And I know what the DOT, the Department of Transportation, was trying to do. They were trying to warn us that there may be some church traffic ahead, but but I went past that and I, th- I thought to myself, is really, is there anything dangerous about a church? Should there be a caution sign out in front of every church? Well, I'll tell you, there's something dangerous in this text I just read. Something very dangerous. Jesus had a conversation with a scribe. Now, that's someone in the Jewish family who would copy documents all day and sometimes into the night. A scribe. So this is a person who has 
not only read the Word, but actually copied the Word and done it many, many times, making new scrolls over and over and over again. So this person would have time to contemplate these words. And he comes to Jesus and says, which of all the commandments is the greatest? Now, there were 613 laws and commandments in their Old Testament. Of all the laws that I'm copying down all day and night, Jesus, which one would you say would be the most important of 613? And Jesus said, oh, the first is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. That's the first. Now, there's nothing uniquely Christian about this law. In fact, this is a Jewish law. This is in the Jewish Old Testament in the Torah. This is also a Muslim law who share the Old Testament with us. It is the Shema, which is the centerpiece for morning and evening prayer, found in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4. Shema Israel Adonai Eloheinu Adonai Echad. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And then it follows these words. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, your strength. Keep these words that I'm commanding you, as written in Deuteronomy, in your heart. And recite them to your children. And talk about them when you're at home and when you are away and when you lie down and when you rise. And bind them as a sign on your hand and fix them as an emblem on your forehead. And write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gate. So in other words, what? You can't afford to neglect nor forget this integrated. Take this into your system. Write it on your skin. Don't forget this. And these are, this is a Jewish law, which is now a Christian law, which is also a Muslim law. So it strikes me that if we all took this first of all 613 laws, if we took this to be first and foremost, there'd be more harmony among us and less strife. But then did you notice that Jesus could not stop with one? The scribe only said, what's the first? And Jesus said, oh, the second, you got to know the second. The second's tied to it. The two go together. They're in tandem. They're bolted together. And he quotes Leviticus chapter 19, verse 18. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And he says, there's no law greater than these. John, in his writings later, much later, says, those who say, I love God and hate their brothers and sisters are liars. Strong language in the Bible. Those who say, I love God and hate their brothers and sisters are liars. For those who do not love a brother or sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they've not seen. In other words, how can you hate something that God created if you love God? 
There is no room for discrimination in the Christian, Jewish, Muslim world. You can't hate something that someone you loved created. They're bound together, these two laws. See, I think it's a dangerous church that takes these two commandments seriously. I've seen some churches take the first commandment very seriously. They love God. They come into church. They praise God. They worship. They stay for hours. They, they go to Bible study. They hardly go home. They're at church all the time. John Westerhoff, professor at Duke, said uh, there was a sign over the church, uh, the chapel of the cross, I think, in Chapel Hill, an Episcopal church. And as you went in the church, the sign said, if you spend more than 10% of your time in this facility, you are neglecting your ministry. <laughs> Get out in the world. And then I've seen people in churches who love their neighbors so much, they hardly ever come to church. I mean, they're building houses and water systems and feeding people, and that's all good stuff. But sometimes you can get out there so far doing such good things that you forget why you went. You're not out there because you're a good person or you're a humanitarian. You're out there because of Jesus. And every now and then you need to get in here to be reminded of that. You are an ambassador of Christ. When I was in uh, Charlotte years ago, I started a midweek luncheon Bible study in the Bank of America Corporate Center downtown. They call it uptown. It's a Charlotte thing. I thought it was something Jesus would do. And yes... We had a Bible study in a bank. Stranger things have happened. And people who were members of the church would come from different companies uptown, and they'd come to the seventh floor conference room in the Bank of America corporate center in uptown Charlotte and have their lunch, study a scripture, and pray together. But what I didn't see coming was 2008. Nobody saw it coming. And when the markets fell in that October and the city of Charlotte, as probably was the city of Richmond, was in a dark, dark cloud. There was a little Bible study on the seventh floor of the corporate center of Bank of America. A church, dangerous that went into the world with some truth, some prayer, some scripture, some love of God, some love of neighbor. And at one of our meetings, a young woman came in almost in tears. And as she sat down, we said, are you okay? And she said, no, I'm not okay. I just had to fire over 400 perfectly good employees across the country. I'm not okay. And the love of God and the love of neighbor was in that room where those business people surrounded her and others were dealing with the same thing. And they began to talk about what it meant to be a Christian in this kind of world. And how did we get ourselves in this mess with greed? 
and we became a support group in the middle of a bank. That's a dangerous church. That's a church that needs a yellow sign out front that says, church. It strikes me that when God in the heavens wanted to connect with us, God came in Jesus Christ. Now, that's what we Christians believe. And when Jesus showed up, God in Christ, what Jesus did was interesting. What he did not do was he didn't go to the synagogue, which would have been, there was no church. So he would, he went to this, he didn't go to the synagogue, the place of Jewish worship and study. He didn't go there and say, I will be teaching a class on Wednesday at seven o'clock and I hope all of you come. No. When God wanted to connect with the world, God came in Christ and Christ went out in the streets. He stepped into fishing boats that smelled like fish with brawly men who worked outdoors all day. He ate dinner and drank wine with a lot of people and sat around the table and talked and shared and listened. He did it so much they actually called him a drunkard and a glutton, our Jesus. That was his reputation. He talked to businessmen like Zacchaeus and Matthew, the tax collector. He talked to women, which Jewish men should not be talking to Samaritan women at a well. But Christianity started there. It started in the streets. It started in the wrong place. It started where people live their everyday life in the seventh floor of a bank in 2008. It's where you'll find Jesus. He talked to children in Jericho on his way to the cross. And his disciples says, no, he's too busy for you. I mean, you're just children, right? I mean, all this is nice, but they're children. And Jesus said, bring them here. If the rest of you could be as innocent and dependent and joyful as these children, you just might get into the kingdom of heaven. Oh, he talked to rich people, Joseph of Arimathea, Nicodemus, and he talked to very, very poor people. And he was with people who were grieving. The woman at the gate of Nain, whose only son had died. See, somewhere along the way, we church people started thinking that the goal was to get the world to come into the church. Somewhere along the way, we decided that we needed buildings and budgets and programs and staff and websites and bulletins and, you know, all that. And that we need support for all that. So then we preachers get together and say, how many members do you have in your church? And I say, well, I'm at First Pres Richmond. They say they have 1,300, but I can't find them all. I know they're somewhere. I'm going to get to them with a pledge card. You know what I mean, though? Somehow we started to institutionalize Jesus. 
And when that happens, sometimes I think we're just on our own. He's gone. Because he's with poor people and rich people and grieving people and business people and a woman who fired 400 people. And he's in the dirty, messy, stinky world. Not on a mission trip. But in life. God is present with all people in all places at all times. The love of God, the love of neighbor cannot be confined to an hour a week or to a building on the corner. And isn't that what Deuteronomy says? Keep these words in your heart. That means where your heart goes, these words go. Tomorrow morning in the boardroom, I think your heart will be with you. And the most important law in your life is the love of God. That law is going to determine some of the decisions you're going to make in that boardroom and the decisions you will not make. Because you love God above all things. It's a dangerous church that goes outside the walls. You know, I've said this mantra before. I hope you hear it. You don't go to church. You are church. So wherever you are tomorrow, this church is there. Whatever you do on Tuesday, this church will be there. Wherever you will, you be next Friday and the church will be there. Because if you only are church when you come here, you're only here a very, very limited amount of time. You don't go to church. You are church. That's a dangerous church. Central Presbyterian Church in downtown Atlanta, right across the street from the Capitol. You used to be right across the street from the Capitol. Long time ago, this church sat right across the street. Uh, do we call it downtown here? Yes, because we're humble people. <laughs> and I know I have some charlatans listening to me today, so there. Um, <laughs> We go downtown. So downtown across from the Capitol was First Presbyterian Church. Well, that's Central Church in Atlanta. They asked me to come and do a leadership retreat for them for their session years ago. And, and before the retreat, the pastor, a friend of mine, Gary Charles, was taking me through the church and showing me different things. And we came across a very small gymnasium. And in it were some homeless people, obviously, uh, with their bags and so forth, and church members. And the church members were washing the feet of the homeless people, but they were also trimming their toenails and anointing their feet with oil when it was all putting ointment on their feet. Well, I was very impressed and confused because Presbyterians don't even like to touch each other, much less anybody else. <laughs> And so my first thought was, okay, well, this is, this must be that Jesus foot washing thing. I mean, is it Lent? You know, I said, how did this get started? And they said, well, um, the homeless are on their feet all day. They have to walk. And we started noticing that a lot of them had sore feet when they came in to spend the night with us once a week. So we started soaking their feet. 
And then we realized they don't cut their toenails. So we started cutting their toenails. And then we noticed their feet were dry and cracked, so we started putting ointment on their feet. So the whole thing is just a response to their needs. That's a dangerous, dangerous church. Oh, there are there ought to be a should be a yellow sign out in front of that church that just says, Careful, you're coming up on a dangerous thing right here. These people will change the world. Several years ago, I was on sabbatical. Actually, the summer of 2008, right before the crash, we had finished a very large capital campaign in our church, and it was a good time to take a break. And Catherine and I got to travel a lot, and it was a, it was a wonderful uh, sabbatical. Great thing. And we were up in... Um, New England, and I was going to do a wedding at the very end of my sabbatical for one of the church members at Cape Cod. And as we were driving through the countryside, I saw a little white framed church sitting there, and it had a sign on it right out the front door, had a main front door, and it had a big sign off the front of it, and the sign said, Antiques. Well, I pulled over quick and pulled the car off the road, and Catherine said, what's the matter? What's the matter? And I said, i got to get a picture of this. And they had taken the stained glass out of the front, big uh, stained glass window, took out the stained glass and put in clear glass, and then they had a, a shelving system where they had antiques stacked in the front window of the church, and it said, Alexander Westerhoff Antiques. Why did you take a picture of that, Steve? Because that's what we can never be. You can't be a church stuck in the past and be dangerous. Something's got to be on fire inside a church to put a yellow sign out front with a big word that says, church, be careful. You're coming up on something that is extremely, extremely dangerous. And yet that church, there was nothing dangerous about that church. That church was stuck in the past. That church was dead. I kept that church on my screensaver for about two years until I got sick of looking at it. I don't ever want to be that. Wouldn't it be something to drive out on 95 coming into Richmond from somewhere and see a big sign out there, a big yellow sign, and just say, caution, the synagogues, churches, and mosques in this city are extremely dangerous. They love God first above all things. And they love their neighbors as they love themselves. Oh, that'd be a dangerous city. That'd be a city that looks just like the kingdom of God. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.